Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Nerd Night Podcast. I believe this will be our penultimate podcast of 2015, so I hope you've enjoyed the first seven months of our brand new season here on the Play It Network, part of the family of CBS. As always, Nerd Night is best experienced at its live events when you are drinking and learning with friends at bars or performance spaces around the world. Uh, We always believe that learning is more fun while having an adult beverage or two. However, since this is a podcast, um, if you are not driving or if you are of legal drinking age in the area in which you reside and are listening to this, uh, we certainly do encourage you to have a beer or a glass of wine or a cocktail while enjoying this latest presentation. So let's get right to it. Uh, Today's presentation, today's podcast, is based on a presentation given on December 11th, 2015 by C.C. James. She is the owner of the Singularity and Company bookstore in the Dumbo neighborhood of Brooklyn, New York. Uh, For many years now, C.C. has been one of the uh, foremost authorities on all things uh, pop culture and sci-fi in the New York area. Uh, thus, her bookstore. She has. Uh, she's also a uh, a cosplay champion and has cosplayed for many uh, years at different cons around the country. So I think you're in good hands uh, today. She's going to be talking about killer women of sci-fi and fantasy, uh, taking us on discussions of the mentality and what drives people like Sarah Connor of the Terminator movies or to the newest AI villains in Ex Machina. Uh, So without any further hesitation, uh, let's turn it over to Cece. Cece has sort of been uh, a a leader for a while in the kind of uh, New York sort of um, pop culture sci-fi scene. She leads uh, the Singularity and Company uh, bookstore in Dumbo. I don't know if you lead or run. That's a weird word. So she's been very, uh, I think, supportive of trying to bring sci-fi and pop culture uh, to the masses, but also has been a good uh, a good female voice for the community. So what what's going to be really exciting about today, not only, not only the content, this is the first time in her entire life, which I didn't realize when I asked her to do this, that she has ever used PowerPoint or Keynote. So how about that? Watershed moment in terms of ruining her life. She thought she could get out of it, so I really apologize. So like, the, like with Kevin and Benjamin later, uh, so for the next 18 to 21 minutes, uh, you're going to learn a little bit about uh, Killer Women this instance, and you will see her wonderful new uses of PowerPoint and inserting video clips into a Microsoft application. Round of applause for CC. Using a Mac, no less. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for coming out tonight. I'm so glad that trivia happened before I happened because you're all here now, and it's just so nice. It's I've, I've never done anything for Nerd Night before, but I have done a talk for Kevin Geeks Out before, if anyone's been, yes, before, yeah, woo, yes. And if you've seen me, uh, if you know me, you know that I like women and I like sci-fi, and today I'm going to talk about both those things, but particularly I'm going to talk about women who kill. So in science fiction, now I am going to admit, I'm only going to talk about 
Hollywood cinematic science fiction in this case. There's a whole host of television series and books that I'm not going to talk about, uh, but I had to, I had to keep it close because I only got 18 to 20 minutes. Um, so the first thing I thought of when I thought about killer women in science fiction, I thought about the Terminator series. Are we all familiar with the Terminator series? I don't know, how many are there now? Five, four? I only really count the first three, right? Okay, so there's Terminator 1 in which uh, Sarah Connor learns that she is going to have the child who will become the savior of all mankind when Skynet, the AI robot network, uh, tries to kill off all humanity in the future. So she has to live in order to have this child, kind of like the Virgin Mary, uh, in order to save all humanity. Anyways, by the time you get, that's T1. She learns this. By the time you get to T3, and we all know who Terminator, the Terminator is in T1, right? It's, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's the meathead with the Austrian accent, yeah? Um, but the time that we get, by the time we get to Terminator 3, Skynet, the robots, have learned that maybe the best way to get humans to trust, or not trust, but at least sort of like or allow uh, the Terminator to be in their midst, is not to make it a huge hulk, but to make it a petite blonde uh, who speaks perfect English and is super hot. Uh, she's T3. And if you're not familiar with her, I'd like to play you a little thing. Now, if you forgive me, this is what? <laughs> There's audio. I don't know if you can hear that. Yeah. yeah. Okay, now you're going to get live Technicolor and audio. Ready? Please play. Oh, no, nothing's happening. How do I make it play? This one? Yeah, and then wait, no? Click this arrow. Are you okay? Ha ha ha. Do you want me to call 911? Here's T3. She's a Terminator. I like this car. She gets what she wants. Boy. Somebody already made this compilation on the internet. I just had to get it on YouTube. You type in T3 and hot, and this is what you get. She learns artificial intelligence. Lady, have you any idea how fast you were going? Let me see your license and registration. I like your gun. What? She gets what she likes. She likes it. It's a match. Uh, now she's gonna kick some ass. Yeah. So, you get the point. How do I go to the next one? Yeah, did you see that transition? 
first one. Um, so I have this theory. I have this theory about killer women in Hollywood sci-fi. And my theory is you can be one of two things. You can be a survivor or you can be a bitch. You can be a survivor if you are thrown into incredible circumstances where you either have to fight or die, and you fight and you live. That makes you a survivor. You're a bitch if nobody can understand you. You're a crazy bitch, right? We all know that phrase. If you get what you want, but you don't explain why, if nobody can understand you, you're a bitch. T3 is a bitch. But there's another woman in the, uh, sorry, the Terminator universe who is maybe, maybe a bitch, but she's also definitely a survivor. Who am I talking about? That's right, Sarah Connor. So, if we all remember Sarah Connor from the 1984 Terminator, this is, this is what she looks like. Uh, this is before she knows that she's the mother of the savior of mankind. This is before she's ever met a Terminator. This is when she's a waitress in a diner and <laughs> she's uh, got a mean perm. Uh, 1984, 1991, <laughs> things have changed. Sarah Connor is now new Sarah and uh, she's got a lot on her mind. Old Sarah, let's see. Let's see what old Sarah's like. Where's my, <gasps> no, no, no. Where's my old, I totally practiced this by myself before, but no, 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 no. How do I make this one? There it is, yes. It's all hidden. Old Sarah. Hi, I'm Sarah and I'll be a waitress. Old Sarah, all right? New Sarah, badass Sarah. Keep in mind, she, this is Terminator 2. She's, put in, she's been put in an asylum because she believes that she is going to have a child who will save humanity, and nobody believes her because that's fucking crazy. But she's gotta get out. That rotor rooter. There are 215 bones in the human body. That's one. Now don't move. Yeah. What are you gonna do? Sarah. So, Sarah is a survivor. Sarah is doing everything that she can given extenuating circumstances that make her believe, and, and in this case is true, she's got to survive. She's got to survive not just for herself, but for her child and for the fate of humanity. T3 is not a survivor. You can say what you want about her, but she doesn't have to survive. There's gonna be 10,000 copies of her if she doesn't make it. Uh, she's just a bitch. She's misunderstood. Nobody knows what she wants necessarily except She's got a goal, but she's just going to go for it without explanation. She's different than Sarah Connor. And uh, I, I have, let's see, I've got a sign. Yeah. So um, 
there's another woman in, in T3. There's Claire Danes. Does anyone remember Claire Danes' part? Yeah, she just kind of, she sort of like bumbles along and screams a lot. Um, but she has this one final scene with, uh, with T3 where there's, I think, a particle collider that she gets uh, attached to. Yes, yeah. I think I'm right, right? A, a huge magnet is turned on, and suddenly for the first time, they realize that she's metal and that you can kill her with magnets. Um, but Claire says it best in this moment. Go just play. Please play. I am clicking it. You don't get to hear it out loud because of the soundtrack, but she just says, you bitch. You bitch, because that's all she is at this point. Um, now, when we want to talk about survivors and bitches and the way that it depends on your perspective. I think a, a great movie to look at is Alien, the original Alien, 1978, and the character of Ripley. Now, who hasn't seen this movie? Okay, I'm going to ruin it for you. Everybody dies except for Ripley at the end. Okay? Um, there's a big, big spoiler alert. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna continue spoiling it for you right now. Here's the final scene where Ripley is battling the alien all by herself. No? No, that's not right. Dang it. Yes. I remember it looking better before, but that's not important. Burn. part because I love I love the way that she looks after this has happened. She's not distressed, she's relieved. She's not a victim, she's a survivor. Kane, Lambert, Parker, Brett, Ash, and Captain Dallas are dead. Cargo and ship destroyed. I should reach the frontier in about six weeks. With a little luck, the network will pick me up. This is Ripley, last survivor of the Nostromo. Signing off. Ah! Let's get rid of that.
There we go. So what I love about that scene is it shows the epitome of a survivor, not only in, in Hollywood, but in the way that I think most people would think about a survivor. She's strong, she's alive, she's totally traumatized. Um, but all three of those things come together to make her a very specific kind of character um, that is essentially not a bitch. We have complete confidence in what she's just done and, and the righteousness with which she has executed her actions. But if we wanted to just flip it just for a second, that alien that she just totally destroyed, that alien was also a female. Does everybody know that? Yes. Um, so even though it shouldn't really matter that Ripley's being a woman and the only one to survive at the end, it shouldn't matter, but the fact is that all the men died, and she's alive, and she is there battling a female alien. It's bitch versus bitch. It's survivor versus survivor. If you look at it from the alien's point of view, this ship came and landed on her eggs, right? And then the eggs did their thing and went... They infected the human beings. They reproduced. They're trying to take over this bizarre ship that they're on. And all these humans keep trying to destroy them. And they keep fighting off these humans, killing them one by one, until this final, final one is there. And she seems like she's just not going to stop until they're all dead. And in fact, that is her purpose. And she does kill them. You could say it, look at it from the point of view of the alien. And the alien is supposed to be the survivor, and Ripley is the bitch in this sense. It's all about perspective. It's all about where you are and when you are and who you are when you're watching it. Um, which brings me to my next favorite. My, I think it's my favorite movie of 2013, Ex Machina. Has everybody seen Ex Machina? No? No? I'll give you a quick rundown. So... Caleb, a 26-year-old programmer, is working at an internet startup. Or actually, it's not an internet startup. It's more like Google. Uh, the biggest internet company in the world. He wins a prize. And that prize is he gets to go spend a week with the CEO at his far-flung estate. Uh, he thinks he's going to go there for seven days of broing down and hanging out. But instead, what he's actually there for is to participate in a live Turing test. Do we know what Turing tests are? Great, okay, then I won't explain it. Um, the Turing test is not, in this case, a human being against an unknown machine, but rather a human being against Ava, an artificial intelligence who is in a female form but is obviously a robot. So Caleb is pitted against Ava in a series of sessions in which he is supposed to determine whether or not she has consciousness, whether or not she has feelings. Um, there's a whole host of other things that he might be being tested for, but that is essentially his position. Now, by the time they've gotten to their second or third session, Ava has started wearing human hair. She's got a wig, and she started wearing clothes because she's trying out how to be human. And she also knows that her trying out being human is affecting Caleb's uh, opinion of how uh, cognizant, how... Uh, how real her feelings are, how much she's truly wanting to think and act and be like a human being. So we're in this, I think this is session three now, and she's beginning to use her, uh, her feeling capability to manipulate him.
happened to me if I found you, Tyson? Would you be back? I don't know. Do you think I might be switched off because I don't function as well as I'm supposed to? Eva, I don't know the answer to your question. It's not up to me. Why is it up to anyone? Do you have people to test you or might switch you off? No. Then why do I? This is a picture that she's drawn of him. That is ripped up by Nathan, the CEO and her creator. She's caused this power outage to happen so that she can't be seen talking to him. Question five. Do you want to be with me? So in this case, we have a female who's worried about her survival. She doesn't know whether or not she's going to be able to be allowed to be in existence after this test is done. She's got to do everything that she possibly can um, to make sure that she continues to exist. Meanwhile, though, she is a robot and she can be shut down. So here's Nathan and Caleb talking about that possibility. You feel bad for Ava? Do you feel bad for Ava? <sighs> feel bad for yourself, man. One day the AIs are going to look back on us the same way we look at fossil skeletons in the plains of Africa. An upright ape living in dust with crude language and tools, all set for extinction. I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. There you go again, Mr. Quotable. You go again. It's not my quote. It's what Oppenheimer said after he made the, the atomic, atomic bomb. bomb. Yeah, I know what it is. Um, I love this particular scene because it connects the construction of a plausible AI, which Nathan is the author of, and the end of humanity. Nathan seems to be a willing participant in the end of humanity, um, but that, that's beside the point. Uh, what I also particularly love about this scene and about this whole movie is that the inference is this female creature, this newly sentient female creature, will be the downfall of humanity. And they make this direct connection here between death, the destruction of humanity, and the construction of Eva. And what's weird, just to take a side note from this quote, is I always, it's from the Bhagavad Gita, and I always thought that it was um, about Kali, the goddess of destruction and female sexuality in Hinduism, but it's actually, it's not. Um, let's just take a quick, yeah, there's Kali. Can we see, we all, there, she's got a nice head there, she's collecting some blood on a plate, she's uh, stamping some dude to death, and we can see some sweet arms and some heads uh, decorating her body there. Um, so even though that quote from the Bhagavad Gita is actually Vishnu talking to Arjuna, the human hero, um, Vishnu takes on a form, a multi-armed form that is very much like 
uh, colleague here. And Kali is, uh, it, there's a direct connection between death and, and the female force. And I think that this movie is making a lovely sort of circular connection between creating the female, creating AI, the death of humanity, um, all stemming from the female form. Man will be killed because of woman. Now there's a great, to, to sort of lift the mood a little bit, um, there's a wonderful, terrible movie out there. It's called Life Force. Has anybody seen this movie? It's also known as Space Vampires. Uh, for those of you who haven't seen it, I'm just gonna give you the full trailer um, because it's, it's worthwhile and it will do a lot more explaining than I could ever possibly do. Let's go back. From the director of Poltergeist and the writer of Alien comes a terrifying new film. I'm getting a very small radar cross section. 150 miles long. EGR's confirmed. Tell them we have an artificial object out here. In the tale of Haley's Comet, there's something wrong. Something ancient. Something evil. Jesus. Houston, we have a problem. It's happening to me. Something hungry. Something ancient, something evil, something hungry, something feminine. There's no girl. She's totally alien to this planet and our life form. And totally dangerous. I just found a body in Hyde Park. There's a lot of these scenes, they're really great. That's pretty much his saving grace. In case you didn't get it, Life Force is about space vampires that are found in the tail of Halley's Comet and brought back down to London where they escape and suck the life force out of unsuspecting Londoners. Did you get that? Um, what you really need to know is that there's a super hot chick and she is always nude and she has two, <laughs> she has two new guys with her all the time also and they're all space vampires and they can talk to you with their minds and they use sexuality to get you close to them so that they can suck your life force. Um, <laughs> if, you'll, if you just noticed in that one little thing, there was, uh, there was an actual purposeful segue between Ex Machina and this in that both women, both not quite human women say, be with me, I wanna be with you. Apparently, whether they're bitches or they're survivalists, I'm, I, or survivors, it's, uh, they're both using their sexuality to destroy men, humankind, right? It's a really complicated plan. I want you to fall in love with me and then I will destroy you. 
but it's a very Hollywood plan. It's a sort of mythical plan. Uh, it makes a lot of sense if you're doing a lot of cocaine as the producers of all the... Di so uh, you, you caught that the writer of Alien and the producer of Poltergeist made this movie. I think they made one other movie. It was a total failure, but um, there, was, there was a lot of drugs involved. Um, Life Force, the, the main thrust of it is that the woman is in charge. The two men are her minions, but she's pretty much the, the primogenitor of this whole effort. And everything is coming through her. She is the conduit. All the life force that they all three of them suck goes through her and back up to this weird spaceship. Um, and she uses her femininity uh, sort of in the way that T3 does to get what she wants at all costs. Um, this is wonderfully illustrated in what could only be said in a British accent, my favorite scene from this movie. No, I will get it one day. Yes. Tell me again how the girl overpowered you. She was the most overwhelmingly feminine presence I've ever encountered. I was drawn to her on a level that... Was it sexual? Overwhelmingly so. And horrible. Loss of control. <laughs> Loss of control. Loss of control because she was too sexual and she was going to make him do what she wanted, which I guess wasn't quite taking his life energy because he's still alive, but have a very sexual experience, which was horrible. Um... And I'm not going to show this whole clip, but I just wanted you to know that this movie isn't totally horrible. It does actually star um, one of our favorite actors, if you happen to be a Marvel fan or a Star Trek fan. Just real quick, who's this? Oh, it's Professor Xavier slash Captain Picard. Armstrong. He is... Can you hear me? She's jumped into his body, the main... Armstrong, if you can hear me, just say yes. The main vampire. Look at this acting. Don't let me down. She's not going to let go of Patrick Stewart until she gets what she wants, which is who knows. Yes, yes. High quality. High quality acting here. Now, just quickly, because I've got only so much time. He's talking to her. You still hear me? Can you hear me? Get into his mind? Her mind? Now with his drug, it's like a wall. I bet you've given him too much. Perhaps we shut up! Listen, you bitch. That's the best way to get a woman to talk to you. I'm going to trap you. Be with me. Oh, oh be what with me. What do you me? want from me? I love you. <gasps> Where are you? Why are you so human? So perfect. Patrick Stewart. What are the bird creatures on the ship? Their bodies are unimportant. As you and your men approached in your ship, we changed them. For you. We entered your minds and found their new bodies. Better to destroy I took you. I took your language. I became the woman I found there in your deepest thoughts. 
that kind of says it all, doesn't it, there? Um, so in conclusion, the <laughs> um, life force lady, she's a bitch. We don't understand her. Maybe she's trying to survive, but that's not the perspective that we're given. She's a total bitch, and she's using all the men that she has at her disposal to get what she wants. Ripley, she's a survivor, unless you're an alien, and then she's a bitch. Uh, Ava, well, she could be both. She's fighting for her survival, but she's manipulating a man in order to get what she wants, uh, which is freedom. So is it okay to be a bitch if all you really want is your freedom? And does that make you a survivor? Maybe. Uh, Sarah Connor, bitch or survivor? Both, it just depends on what timeline you're on uh, and when you're looking from. 